This week, I'm going slightly off topic again by speaking to Blaine, an ex-drug user and substance misuser. Blaine and I share our experiences about the mental health system and what it means for young-ish men like ourselves to be living under the cloud of mental health. Blaine and I are from very different walks of life and yet we have so much in common. I wanted to use my platform to showcase this to others, especially men who tend not to talk about their feelings. In this episode, there is mention of self-harm and suicide. Listener caution is advised. So I'm going slightly off topic this week. I find the man sitting in front of me um, an inspiration, actually. Um, Slightly younger than me, but I do look up to him. Um, (laughs) He's in recovery for drug abuse. Um... So, hello, Blaine Courtney. <laughs> hello, Ollie. Thanks for having me. So, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, do you want to just give us a little bit of a background of who you are and what you do? And Yeah, um, I don't know if you want me to say, yeah, I'm, fr- I'm a Luton boy, born and bred. Um, school, childhood, everything was good. Um, started boxing when I was 11, turned professional when I was 18. Um, and then it was like, my life started to change then. Uh, I found drinking drugs. Um and I'll go into it a little bit more in a bit. And I've like I've I've recently, like after entering uh, a program, working the twelve steps, uh, like I've found myself in a new role. I'm working on my own mental health as well as helping other people. Um, yeah, and that brings me to today. <laughs> sure, that's a, that a good intro. Um, so, when was the first time you took drugs? So, the uh, first time I ever tried. Uh, well, I like I drink drank alcohol like not alcoholically, but I like it was for me it was something that made me feel part. So like I'd go around to my granddad's when I was a kid, and he'd give me like one of them small glasses of of uh, beer. And then like as I got older and older, the first time I like like when I was in school, I remember like lying to parents and saying I was staying at so and so's house, and he would probably say he, he was staying at mine just yeah. so we could both sneak out together and we'd be in the pub. We had this uh, pub that like all the people from our school drank in, so we knew everyone in there. It was this a safe environment. Um, I was always the the kid that would have a few drinks and then be thrown up outside, but it didn't stop me going back and doing it again. Yeah. So how old were you roughly? Uh, back then, I was about fourteen. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that's the the dodgy age. That's when people yeah, start yeah, trying yeah. everything, isn't it? Um, so sort of after the, the, the drink and sort of being introduced to drugs and stuff what was kind of your drug of choice so I like the effect produced by cocaine it like where I'm quite shy person uh, and and then introvert as well like cocaine it done for me what I couldn't do for myself it gave me the confidence to talk to me to feel part of any any crowd that like I felt like the funniest guy in the room I felt I felt 10 foot tall yeah. Um, it just it kind of it woke and it woke me up to the to the like the things that I I wanted like the confidence and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean I know a lot of people that have taken drugs over my years of working in this industry and uh, a lot of the starting point reason is the confidence mm. thing. Um, you see sort of like the other lads around you and they seem to have it and you don't and it's yeah so it kind of puts you on the, on the same par as them but it's it's when it becomes um 
part of everyday life yeah. rather than the occasional weekend thing that I guess it becomes an issue. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to jump around with these questions. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so, so forget about the drugs for a minute. So, like, how was growing up for you, like, in general? Like, family, friends? Like... Yeah, so, like, growing up, I, I always felt, like, insecure, but, like, at that age, I, I felt, when I say that, I mean, like, I kind of pride kind of kicked in I, I was always worried about what other people thought of me I was like comparing my life to my brother and my sister thinking like they seem happy like what what is it that they're doing that I'm not or yeah like they kind of had the group of friends where me I just kind of float around wherever whoever like I'd say it the way I say it is like I float around whoever would have me but that's that's not the case as I got older I kind of I've kind of seen realize now and I see that it my my problem may have been my perception, the way I see things. Like if you, if you ask my brother or my sister about their upbringing, it'd be completely different to mm-hmm. mine. So do you, do you feel different to your siblings? Um, I I used like I used to, and like I'm an individual now, so I, I can accept it. But like I don't know how they feel. Mm. <laughs> where Where are you in the line of, of siblings? Are you the oldest? I'm middle. middle. Yeah, middle. Okay, Mid- middle child syndrome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You hear about it all the time, don't <laughs> yeah. you? I'm not sure it's true, but um, okay, so that's interesting. But you get you get on well with everyone. Yeah, right? like family network is really good. We're a really close family. Yeah, and you're of Irish descent, aren't you? Yeah, my well? dad's side's yeah. Irish, my mum's side's English and Scottish. Okay, got a lot of Celtic genes. Yeah. Um, no one can see Blaine, but he's he's rocking a um, big ginger beard, a nice big ginger beard at the moment. Um, I like it. I'm a bit jealous. I can't grow it properly. Um, okay, so sort of jumping forward a little bit. So, how long have you been sort of clean and in recovery? Yeah, so I've, I've been clean and sober since the 26th of June 2017. I came in like the day after my 27th birthday. Sorry, my 28th birthday. Um, just like I, I couldn't like it, using weren't fun for me no more. It was like it was just consequences. Using, to be fair, it had like the fun stopped long, long before I um I decided to, to give recovery a go. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I, I came I came in on my, the day after my birthday and like I I remember waking up on my birthday and. And f- like the loneliness I felt, it it weren't like any other time. Like before, it was like self harm stuff like that. Um, to kind of take change the way I felt, just like the drugs used to do for me. Um, but that morning it was like there was kind of a glimmer of hope. Like I remember talking to a friend, sister, a friend that I used to use with, and she was like, "Look, I used to think that nobody knew what I was doing. Yet everyone that that was a delusion." Everyone knew what I was doing, and I thought I could hide it well. But she told me about a brother who had come into recovery himself, and he'd been nine months. So I had that little glimmer of hope, like if he can do it, someone that I've used with, like maybe I can. Like all the other methods I've tried, they haven't worked for me. So I thought this has got to work if it can work for him. So like I, I. I dragged myself to my first meeting, which was like the other side of town, and because I was, I had that willingness, uh, the like desperation to, to change things. Like I, like I didn't have anything. Drink and drugs had taken everything that I had. Um, so I, I walked five miles hour, walk to, 
to the meeting. And I got outside and like I remember all the pe it was a summertime, like all the people was outside, they were laughing, joking, like friendliness, which made me feel really like insecure things again, like kind of I do I fit in here, I'm not gonna fit in here. Like these people are funny, they're not like me, they they can't be like me. Um my friend like the best words like of uh instructions I've ever been given was Blaine shut up you got don't say nothing just listen um you got nothing that nobody wants to hear just listen there might be a solution in for you and it might sound a bit harsh but at that time it's exactly what I needed to hear and I think it's taking that 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 step and how daunting yeah like six six months ago if somebody spoke to me like that like I, I, I would have like come out with some horrible response to that but you know it just like everything kind of happened like the waking up feeling lonely the like the desperation like I need help make the call like everything kind of got put in my path like kind of I don't think it's a coincidence that it kind of just happened that way but I think that's the way it was meant to happen like one one thing like speaks got hope from my friend uh call him he answered and then I, like I got to the meeting and I like I remember just after that first meeting like like I let everyone else go in first and I was the last person to go in and I just sat there and listened and like there was a guy that was like sharing his story and it, he was like he was the kind of person that I would like I would have looked down on like being very arrogant about it like he his uh, drug of choice was completely different to mine um so you didn't see yourself on the same level? No, like, I'm completely uneducated about it. And, like, when we come into recovery, it, it talks about looking at the similarities and not the differences. Mm -hmm. Because the differences, like, if I if I went in and I started thinking, well, I'm not like that person, or I'm not, then I'm going to start thinking that this place has got nothing for me. Yeah. And, like, so I listened to what, like, the things he was saying about how he felt, like, the his actions, like, how he behaved and... And that, like, I could completely relate to that, that. And, like, it didn't take me long to kind of understand that, you know, this thing that he's got, I have as well. Yeah. And I think that's, like, the first, like, that's the biggest thing to overcome, mm. isn't it? Because you don't, you don't feel like anybody else. So absolutely no one is feeling the way that I'm feeling. And yeah. I am not like them. And you can just carry on and on and on. But like going to that meeting it's almost like you woke up one day yeah and yeah like, that's exactly how it is it's like I've, I've been asleep like I because I was unwilling to admit that I, like I had a problem like I used to I used to go to doctors like asking for help but not but not being able to be honest being incapable of being honest and like did, I would look for because I wanted to be secretive about my drug taking like I'd, I'd kind of talk more about the mental health side and then they'll be like you sound really depressed like take this medication and I'll, I'll be thinking like what else can I get out of him like maybe mm. if I tell him about the sleep's not that great he'll give me some Valium or something like that and kind of trying to manipulate situations in my favour to get what I wanted yeah so did did you feel like you wouldn't be supported if you yeah like, like uh, my biggest fear at the time was like well, if my mum and dad find out, like, I'm going to be homeless. Like, I can't go to my, like, grandparents because, 
because um, like they're not gonna have me, and then like family will look down on me, and like and like I don't know what. It's the worst case scenario. Yeah. So that that was my biggest fear, and it was like, you know, towards the end of my using, all of these people uh, I had told like I had turned up to my grandparents' house at seven o'clock in the morning and and told them exactly what I'd done, being honest about it, and like, look, I need help. Um, but then like what happened was after like a week or whatever like that was a, I, don't, I, can't, I think it was a Saturday morning and like by sort of Tuesday Wednesday like my my ego it's just started to rebuild and I start thinking that you know what that weren't that bad and now like the thought the thought to do it again or this the the obsession like believing that this time it'll be different like it can't be as bad as it was the other day so just go out and you will just be able to have one drink this time yeah but that's never like my experience now it, like it shows me that i can't do that never I mean, had one anything i think it takes a willingness to do that as well. yeah, and especially yeah. in a culture where drink and drugs are so heavily available like you only have to go to the local pub and someone is sniffing cocaine yeah um it's there and i think that takes a really strong character. Yeah, I used to, like, when when I was out doing what I was doing and, like, I, I'd, I'd kind of... I'd justify it in my own head that everyone was doing it because I was using with these people this week, then using with that person that week, or, like, floating around groups, just like I did when I was in school trying to, like, social, uh, social butterfly. Um... Yeah, social chameleon, not butterfly. Yeah, <laughs> you can be a butterfly if you want. Yeah, so I was yeah, kind of floating around finding people, but these people that I used to use with, like, some of them would go and get jobs and stop using. Some of them would get married, stop using. Some of them children, blah blah blah, all of that. And the only like common denominator in all of that was me. And it was like I used to justify my using by thinking if there's any any more than two lads, like in a pub some of them's got it i just got to find out which one's got it mm-hmm. and like i used to think well everyone's doing it and you know that that's just like it's it was me justifying the, my own madness to kind of think it's acceptable to carry on doing it but in reality is i know that that's not a lot of people do it yeah but a lot of people don't do it yeah absolutely and i i mean the the listeners probably won't know this because my podcast is normally about history but um, I have also had substance abuse issues um, with alcohol and, and drugs. I've probably not gone as far as yourself, but the potential was there. There was points where I was um, sharing properties with, uh, sharing flats in um, uh, different parts of the country and my flatmates had to hide the alcohol away from me because I was just drinking. Mm. I wouldn't care if it was theirs or mine or whoever's. I remember taking someone's vodka and filling it up with water because yeah, I drank yeah, it all. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people had noticed this in me, but I was just like, well, no, it's fine because I'm in my 20s and that's what I should be mm-hmm. doing. And then um, there was there was cocaine like readily available and then there was the uh, MDMA at festivals and stuff and everyone was doing it, so mm-hmm. it was fine. Yeah. But they could stop. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. Um, and 
I think, I mean, the last time I ever took anything was a couple of years ago. And I think I just woke up one day, just, and I looked at myself and I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I wasn't shy about it. Mm. Like everyone kind of knew that I was doing it. Yeah. But I was losing mates over it as well. They yeah. had young children around. They didn't want me to be there. Yeah. They didn't want me to be that influence. And if you were to meet me now, a lot of people are surprised that actually like, I'm like, did you really do all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I was really naughty at school and I was always getting in trouble and, 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 and smoking weed behind yeah. the bike sheds and all that kind of stuff. So I I think that's why I find like, like you such an inspiration because I can see a lot of, although... Lots I mean, stuff maybe, you can relate to. Yeah, yeah, although maybe you didn't... And, and we're from very different backgrounds. Um, I grew up in the village, in the countryside, <laughs> like you're in the town, like... Um, and usually, I don't think our paths would have crossed. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm glad I, I they, they have. And I've, I remember the first time that I met you, you you, you were very honest about it. So, yeah. So we work in an industry of, of recovery together, um, and you're also in recovery. Yeah. And automatically, I was just like, this is amazing. And then, sort of, I, I guess we built a friendship out of it, and that's, yeah. that's amazing. So, um, I think, like... Just going on what you were saying there, it's like we're we're like coming from different backgrounds, different towns as well. Like we probably probably would have never mixed, but that's what I like. What kind of drew me to like working in this industry was um, like I mean we both spoke about it on many times. Like everyone to a certain degree has mental health issues, mm-hmm. and I think in this kind of industry that we come together like everyone no matter like if we talk about a feeling or everybody has feelings and it's about being able to relate to them feelings and like if if you've got if somebody has a week like is going through a week has a I, I try to word it the right way but if somebody has if somebody struggles more to deal with emo- emotions and like if I spoke to you and you was a bit more confident about your ability to deal with emotions and you you could kind of say like here's how I felt I relate to that yeah. um, this is what I've done and this is what my life looks like now and it's kind of it's that experience of what you've done like you can kind of bounce off of that kind of yeah because like, like with the drinking and the using like I had people like I told, I thought the answer would be to tell my parents, and I like I done that, and then again, like I thought, well, they know that I'm doing it now, so I might as well just carry on. Yeah, and it yeah, was it's it, open knowledge. Yeah, it was like if somebody told me, it's like being, it's like having a kid and telling a kid to go and tidy the room. They get agitated and they refuse to talk about it. They're trying to do whatever they can to divert the situation, and yeah. and like that's how it was. It was like it it weren't. Uh, I didn't know where to go, but I weren't willing, like, but until I found them places. Absolutely. And again, I was the same, like, I wasn't, there was no need for me to do it. Um, So I've got a question for you, and this is relating on the back of, of, from my own experiences. So I quite openly suffer from some mental health issues, and for a while I was very quiet about it, but then I thought, fuck it, do you know what, this is who I am. Now I always wonder, was the mental health issue there before the drugs and alcohol, or is it a byproduct of what I was doing? 
like how do you feel in your situation I about that? I don't know. It's one, like the chicken and the egg, and it, it, yeah. like I don't know. Definitely, me taking the drink and the drugs, it definitely didn't help. But um, like I always felt, like I felt less than. I didn't feel part of, and like I used to question everything, compare myself, and all of that. And I think that that is a bit like a sign of mental health. But like the actions come later as the mental health got worse up because of what I was doing. So- do you have a diagnosis? Of I do. Yeah, now? yeah. I, I have dual diagnosis. I've got um, social anxiety disorder, possibly on the autistic spectrum, as well as being a, 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 a as well as being an addict. Yeah. So I've got the um, social anxiety disorder as well, and when I tell people about it, it's such a wishy-washy term, isn't it? Yeah. So, so anxiety and depression is thrown around like yeah. it's. Oh, I'm really depressed today or I'm really anxious yeah. today. But I think unless you actually genuinely have it, yeah. it is crippling. Yeah. Sometimes I can't leave my house yeah. for days. Yeah. Because I just can't face it. I, I get the I get the palpitations, I get the the I sweat. Yeah. Um I then eat a lot because it makes me feel better. My weight balloons, so it's kind of like it is crippling, and I don't think people realise. Yeah, like it's just because it's such a wishy-washy like, term. A lot of people, like they, like you said, they do throw it around. Like if they're feeling bad or going through a bit of a bad day or whatever, they they claim to be depressed. When, like knowing, like knowing yourself, what depression feels like, and I get that. Like some days I don't want to wake up. Like I, like uh, I don't mean that by like I don't want to wake up and not be here no more it's like I don't I, ca- I cannot I physically cannot drag myself out of bed I yeah. cannot motivate myself I've mm-hmm. got this bla- horrible black cloud that follows me around wherever I go yeah because um, it Winston Churchill used to call it the uh, the black dog that yeah, followed him yeah um, and, it's, I, and it's with with the anxiety is get like I get a overwhelming feeling of guilt like I've done something wrong I don't know what I've done I've got no evidence to back that up I just feel like something I've done something really bad. I've upset someone, or something bad's about to happen, and I can't put my finger on it. It's just how I feel, and it will stop me doing anything. And I, everything that you've just said there, I get one hundred percent. And I try and explain it to people who are close to me. So, my mother, God love her, she she just wants me to be happy, and I don't think she. It's 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 in my brain. It's nothing that anyone has done. It's nothing that anyone has said. Um, it's it's a part of myself, and, yeah. and and trying to explain that to someone who's never had it before is really difficult. It, it, it is um, because it's, it it seems like oh just just come on, just get on with it. Come on, you yeah. you're fine. You've got so many qualities, and 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 so yeah, I think it's really hard to um, put the point across to people who just don't have it or yeah. don't get it, um, and. I think a lot of people are like, oh, come on, just pull yourself together. Yeah. Actually, it's not that simple. Yeah, I think, like, I can... Exp- I'm I'm quite confident of explaining how I feel. Um, again, like, since coming into recovery, it's, like, I've learned how to be present and be in the here and now rather than thinking about yesterday or tomorrow. But I can't help the fe- fact that I suffer from these anxieties. And when I feel like that, like, I, can, I can talk openly and honestly about how I feel, but... Like I want a quick solution, and mm-hmm. by talking to someone who don't understand, like I'm looking in the wrong place, and it's like doing meditation and stuff like that. It it kind of helps me 
a lot yeah. by bringing me back into the here and now. So do you find that even in this day and age where mental health is, is kind of like the big subject, that people still look down on you if you're quite open about it because they feel uncomfortable or they don't want to talk about it or they just don't want to they don't want to deal with it yeah like the way things are today and like how it's good that it's being talked about more but I think it's also in a not in a I don't know if they're using it in a bad way it's because like people will just say if they're having a bad day they feel depressed and Mm -hmm. kind of use because the more people talk about it now more people kind of it's good that more people that have been undiagnosed are are able to get the help that they need but it's not so good that people that don't have it will blame it blame circumstances or situations it loses its meaning doesn't it so you say a word too much yeah I think that the people that if somebody's got it you know that they're willing to do anything to change it and I think it's the people that are unwilling to put the work in to change it like the ones that say I've got this and use it as an excuse when you know if somebody's really bad it's because they want to do something about it yeah 100% and I don't know about yourself but sometimes I'll wake up and I'll maybe I'll feel on top of the world in the morning and I feel like right I'm going to face it today and and, and I'm feeling good and I've got a I've got a direction that I want to go in two hours later I'm slumped again yeah Yeah. It's and almost like that high has gone. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just like, well, no, I'm just going to carry on sitting in my room and I'm going to yeah. carry on eating all the food. And, yeah. Um, because it makes me feel better. It's yeah. my little comfort zone. Naturally, I think that that's a coping mechanism. That's what people do. It's like, like I said again, a quick fix. Like, I need to change the way I feel and I need to change it ASAP. And it's like, some people a happy like me my coping mechanism is to isolate and sit in my room and mm-hmm. think like absolutely just think it it might not be comfortable doing that but it's more comfortable than trying to go on and trying to get on like normal so I'll just isolate but for people like they'll comfort eat they'll gamble they'll take drugs they'll do good because they want a quick fix like they need to change the way they feel right now absolutely yeah and I think that that is it. It's you're in that moment, and you just want out of it yeah, yeah. for that second or yeah. or hour or yeah. whatever it it it, it and is. Again, like it's people that self harm. Like it's one of the things that they still have control over, mm-hmm. so they can't control their emotional state. So to take themselves out of it. So have you self harmed? Uh, yeah, I've self harmed many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you mind me asking? No, I've well, my first like. Back when the drugs stopped working, I tried to hang myself. Um, okay. I've overdosed. I've cut my wrists. Um, yeah, there's it, like there's yeah, I cut my wrists. It was for the, the release. Yeah. And obviously the other times it was because I really didn't want to be there no more. Yeah. And again, I I know what that likes. I've, mm. I've not gone to that extreme I remember living in Edinburgh and I was in a bit of a dodgy relationship up there um, I kind of wasn't getting the the, the the attention that I thought I deserved yeah, yeah. in this relationship so I went home and I got a razor blade and I cut all of my face up mm. like slashed it up completely 
woke up in the morning, felt like an idiot, mm-hmm. blamed it on the cat. I mean, it, I, it's quite funny now. Blame, blamed it on the cat. Um, then I came clean because I, mm. I felt like an idiot. And, yeah, it made me feel worse. Yeah, I, I <laughs> get that. In the long it's, run. It's like, like, I could, like, I could, when I'm in a bad state, I can... I'll do I'll do these things without thinking like thinking before I act. I'll like I'll just act and then like I remember it's quite serious when someone tries to hang themselves, something's Absolutely. not right. So like I remember then going to like a couple of friends turn up, stopped me, uh, called an ambulance and that and then one of them sat with me in hospital the whole time and then I come back the next day and it was like they then thought it was funny and it was like I feel like I feel guilt, I feel it uh, mm-hmm embarrassment and like I feel a hundred times worse now because like for the fact that like it's now a joke because it's the humiliated I felt like and, and it, the stigma that lies on top yeah, of that yeah. like or where he's a bit yeah. of a nutter yeah, or yeah, he's yeah. um he's not right or yeah. whatever um I mean I have I've never taken it that far um I've never felt the need to um but from from doing a lot of study and, and talking around it, it's so when somebody tries. This is a blanket statement. When somebody tries to end their life, they don't actually want their life to end. They just yeah. want that situation, that moment to end that they're in That's at it. the moment. That's so it. actually, they don't they don't want to die. They just want that pain. Yeah. Or but it's, it is again, to it's, go. it's like like my thought at the time when like when I tried to do it, like there'd been. Before that, I talked about like the cutting the wrists or whatever, and I, like I did, it was pretty bad when I cut my wrist, but it wasn't like I wasn't doing it to to end my life, um, and it was like the thought of like nieces, nephews, family, loved ones, that sort of stuff, kind of at, like before it it would drag drag me out, pull me out of the bad state, but then it got to a point where it was like that's that stuff wasn't enough. It was like. Um, I would like kind of in, the voice in my head would tell me that you know they still love you and they would accept that you needed peace and they would like they might be upset for a little while but they'd get over it yeah and that they'll be like they'll be just glad that you're not at peace which then it like it it kind of gives me like I've created this free pass to go and then like do what I wanted to do yeah and that. So obviously you were in quite a dark place. Yeah. And all of this yeah. stuff was was going on, um, and you, uh, were you still like using then? Yeah, still using on top. Like so, I I do that. I I tell my family what I'd done. Uh, they'd book an appointment at at the at the GP, and I I'd, I'd go and tell him about that. But again, like being unwilling or incapable of being honest to the to the doctor I'd go and like I'd be, I'd, I remember being in A&E and like the, the paramedics would come and have you taken anything no and then the psychiatrist will like kind of uh, evaluate, evaluate yeah or ask me a few questions and I tell her look I've just done what I've done and then she'd be like okay well that's your problem then stop doing that but I like I'm going back out and I'm doing it again and then I'm in the neck like the GP and I'd, I'd no I haven't done no drugs um, and then it'd be back to the manipulating yeah so I with the 
with the NHS GP, the way that, that it's set up in this country. So GP, obviously, general practitioner. Yeah. So they're not specialised in any anything, really. Right, they, they, they know a, a form of everything. And I have found, when I've gone in with mental health issues, I've had people Google stuff in front of me, yeah. like the doctor, yeah. the GP. Um, and whilst it's fine... I could have done that myself. So yeah, I feel yeah. like, um, for, for me, I, I, I would like to see the physical and the psychological sort of break away. So yeah. if, you're, if you're in need of a, a, a GP for your mental health, then actually there should be specialists there. Because Definitely. I've I felt very many times fobbed off. Yeah, def- um, Just because they, they if, you, if you don't, know much about it or you've never experienced it then how are you going to support someone that's it I think with the like the like being the honesty is like it's massive um, it's one of the most important things uh, as like honesty willingness and the humility to go and ask for help if you if you're able to be honest and and like you go and see a uh, like you said a specialist like you you're in that place and you you're willing to do the work like you're on your way like absolutely if you like if you've got reservations about like the alternatives go and stay the way you are mm-hmm. and i think it shows um maybe a strength of character that you don't necessarily see in yourself so so as you said you've been in recovery for for a while now you don't use you don't uh, drink, although maybe you want to at like, some point. Yeah, I'll, I'll. Before it was like the thought would come to drink to get that quick fix to change the way I felt, and I had no defense against it. Like I had no voice in my head that told me the consequences of what I'm doing, where it will take me. Like I just, the thought come quick as the thought come. I'd had a drink in my hand, and yeah. like like now, like I'll get that thought if I'm out on a summer's day or whatever, the sun's shining, and I see friends when I drive past the pub or something and the thought would be like oh it's a lovely day just one and then I think no that like that's mad and it's so socially acceptable yeah isn't it yeah I mean we're we're a nation of binge drinkers so yeah. I know a lot of people that work very high powered jobs Monday to Friday nine to five it hits Friday six o'clock Friday Saturday Sunday they're on the booze yeah and the drugs and then it all sort of starts again and then they're, mm. they're clean living and, and, yeah. and all that Monday to Friday and it's it's a very bizarre way to live yeah so like what going back to like talking about my, like my friends that moved on and had kids to a different area and managed to to stop I had to kind of accept like early on in my recovery that I'm different to them people like what I, I know now that what makes me an addict is once I begin like that could be alcohol that could be weed that could be coke that could be whatever once I pick up the first one, I've got absolutely no control over the amount I take. Yeah. And that's what makes me different to other people. Like Some people will have one, and then they'll be like, right, it's hit the spot. That's me done now. Like I'm ready to go home, and I'm content. I was never content. Like, one, one drink weren't enough, and a thousand... Sorry, one drink was too many, because the damage had been done. Yeah. But a thousand weren't enough. Like I will keep chasing it until that I get that solution to how I feel. Yeah. And it, like obviously there's tolerance built up and yeah it's just 
Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't smoke now either, do you? No, like, I'm on the vape now. You vape. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're pretty clean as, as yeah, far yeah, as it goes. Yeah, so I don't gamble no more. I don't um, I don't smoke cigarettes. And, yeah, I'm too total as far as all that. Yeah. Just vape. So what, so, what does the future look like for you? Yeah, so with the future, like, I just I look, just try and keep it in the here and now. Uh, I know that if I've got my routine, that the people that have gone before me in recovery and the specialists have, have given me to do, uh, as long as I keep keep to that routine um, and or continue to turn my attention to the next right thing, uh, 100% faith that whatever God has planned for me, it'll be all right. And I just want to say that I mean, I've said it a million times, but I honestly find you a massive inspiration. Thank I've you. Said, I've said that from day one. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. No and, um, yeah. Awesome, thank bye you, bye. Ollie. <laughs>